So I'm going to share a message, and then we have a, a special skit this morning, and uh, we're going to eat and honor our uh, teachers, those who have volunteered for our children. And uh, how many are excited about having Bird Dog Barbecue this morning? Here's what I want to know. How many are excited about hearing the Word of God this morning? See, now that's the way you respond. The food is not as important as the food. Amen? All right. You all with me? Um, well, last week we kind of started in a uh, basically a two-part series as we move up towards this movie, The Son of God, and we've rented out a, or bought out, I should say, a whole theater, and I know you've heard all about that. Uh, I think we're down to about 100 tickets. Is that right, Pastor James? He's giving them out right now. Uh, so here's my thing. If you have friends that you would like to, to have come to that movie, make sure you get your tickets this morning. Um, we have a couple other churches, I think, that uh, one specific that has asked if they could come with us. It's a church right down here in, in uh, the Banning Lewis. Uh, I think they meet at the, um, the uh, rec center. And uh, so if we have any left over, we're just going to let the kingdom of God enjoy. Amen? Uh, so I started last week on uh, the series, Who Do You Say I Am? Who do you say I am? And Jesus asked this question of his, his disciples. And, of course, in Matthew 16, 13 through 17, it says, uh, New King James, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say I am? I, the Son of Man, am. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, we know that means son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, the renowned theologian Karl Barth uh, made a comment concerning uh, this question that's asked, Who is the Son of God? And the answer that Peter gave, uh, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Karl Barth uh, was a lecturer in uh, one of our great universities, Princeton. And he had a student ask him, ask him a question, and here's how it goes. The Karl Barth was lecturing to a group of students at uh, Princeton when a student asked him, Sir, don't you think that God has revealed himself in other religions and not only in Christianity? With a modest thunder, he stunned the crowd, replying, no. Imagine the students were just, okay, that's just like a dead-end answer there, isn't it? But he went on to say this, God has not revealed himself in any religion, including Christianity. He has not revealed himself through any other religion, but he has revealed himself through his son. This is how God came to show himself to mankind. It was through his son, Jesus Christ. And to show his love was to give his life in our place. Now the interesting thing about it, Christianity is the byproduct of God revealing himself through his son to mankind. See, Christianity is not the vehicle that reveals the son of God. It's not the sermon that you hear this morning that would reveal the son of God. What it is, it's God who will reveal himself to you through the revelation of who his son is. And that may come through a message, that may come by just simply reading the Bible, it may come by setting with someone who has a relationship with Jesus, the reality is, it's as a result of witness. It's not as a result 
of a religion. It's a result of witness. Peter witnessed with his own eyes. He witnessed, if you will, the revelation of God in his heart given by God about his son. Now, however that happened for you, I don't know how that happened for you. You know, for me, it was an encounter with God, hearing his voice when he spoke to me. When I was in that desert, and many of you know that story, that I'm sitting in that desert, and God says, Derek. And my response was, I must be falling asleep, pour myself a cup of coffee, because, you know, if you go to sleep on guard duty, you're getting an Article 15 and getting, you know, kicked out of the army possibly eventually. I drank my coffee. I heard my name again. Now I'm concerned because it, it really is at that moment where I'm hearing voices, man, and this is really scary because, you know, that's a section eight to get out of the military, and it's called you get out because you're crazy. And then the third time, my heart sank because the fear of the Lord sat down in that moment. And I realized he was speaking to me. I actually said, God, and he said my name again, Derek, when you were nine, you promised me your life. If I would give you a woman who loved you and never leave you through anything, I've given you that woman. It's time for you to come serve me with your life. It changed me. I came back, went to church, and I heard the gospel message. I heard the love of Christ, the love of the Father in giving his son on our behalf. And I remember weeping through that whole sermon. And at the end, I committed my life to Christ. It wasn't revealed by flesh and blood. It was revealed by the Father who is in heaven. He gave me a revelation of who his son was. And when I saw that, it changed my life forever. Amen? This is a, one of the facts that stand out about who the Son of God is. In uh, 325 A.D., after the persecution had ended of the church, it was called the Council of Nicaea. And there was a meeting that took place, and the top agenda was to resolve disagreements over the nature of Jesus in relationship to, to the Father. The most provocative and popular of these new teachings was, the Arian, was Arianism as promoted and represented by Arius, A.D. 250 to 336, who taught that Jesus was not one with the Father and that he was not fully, although almost, divine in nature. Merely two people agreed with Arius in the Nicene Council. So uh, 297 people have a, had a revelation of who the Son of God was, and three did not in the Nicene Council. Thank God for that, because we would certainly have a different representation today of who Jesus is. Amen. So, I ask the question again, who do you say that he is? Who is it that you would say Jesus is in your life? Who the Son of God is to you, I said last week, would be what your witness of him is to others. If Jesus is your healer, I said, then you will represent him and share with others, you know, Jesus healed me. If in your relationship with Jesus you've experienced peace in your life that's like no other, then you'll be a witness of that to others, that that Jesus has been your greatest peace. If you've experienced salvation, if you've come to that revelation that, man, he gave his life, you know, not to condemn me and point his finger. He, He was above sin, never sinned, and he didn't come to point his finger at me. He died on a cross for me. So that he could open his arms and receive me to himself. If I would just acknowledge that he has paid the ultimate price so that I can have eternal life. Whatever Jesus is to you will be your witness to others. So I want to talk this morning 
about relational witness. And if you have your handouts, that's where you'll begin to fill that in. The first point, relational witness. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. I can't do enough good to get saved. I could be the nicest person on the face of the planet, and I could never do enough good to save myself. I need Jesus no matter, no, no matter how bad you are. This is what, this is a, you call that leveling the playing field, if you understand what I'm saying. There's some people's lives that they don't grow up through hardship. Their life goes, you know, pretty decent for them. There's others who go through hardship. You know, whatever that may be, the reality is, is Jesus came to level the playing field. He came to save the up and outer as much as he came to save the down and outer. Because here's the deal. We're all out until we come to Jesus and then we're in. Come on, somebody say amen in the house today. We're all out till Jesus brings us in. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So while we can't boast about our salvation, we can't be in that place of saying, look at what I did for myself. Once Jesus has done that for us, we have a responsibility to live that out. And here's the, here's the great thing about it, though. We're not doing that in our power. Jesus is the one that empowers us to be able to live that out before others. Amen? So, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Your desire and the power to do so comes from him. Here's your next one. Baby steps. Baby steps. Now, some of you might be saying, well, I've been saved a long time. I don't need to take baby steps. Well, you need to know how to share with other people to take baby steps. If, if, that, if you've experienced that for yourself and you've taken some baby steps, there's a whole lot of folks out there that have not come to know the saving grace and love of our Savior. And they need to know how to take those baby steps. Amen? So we can all learn from this. Can you say amen to that? So take the baby steps. 1 Peter 2, 2-3 says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have te- uh, tasted that the Lord is good. So number one, be water baptized. You need to be baptized in water. Acts 2.41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized. Acts 8.12, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Acts 8.13, Simon himself believed and was baptized. Number two, Join a local church. Look, be, be a part of church community. That's what that simply means. Oh, I got to be a part of Gateway. I didn't say that. Be a part of a local church. Be a part of a church community so that you have that extended God family around you to be there to encourage you, uh, to, to receive from, to be able to you know, involve you in, in other aspects of your life. Look, if you are going through a, a, a down and out time, if you're going through a hard time, you know, everybody needs somebody at some point in their life. Amen. You ever needed somebody else in your life, you know, and you need to know that it's folks that uh, can appreciate what it is to serve you, to love you, and to be there when others are not. So join a local church. Ephesians 2.19 says you are members or you are a member of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Don't just connect to receive. Connect to serve and to give as well. You know, 
uh, it, I would say this, that when I think about the moments of people who have been so faithful, when I think about uh, even the faithfulness of, of people's giving to where we can rent a whole theater out, we can buy the whole theater out and make it available so people can come who are asking that question, who is the Son of God? Who do they say that he is? Is he just a, a great prophet? Is he a great man? Someone who did miracles? Or is he much more than that? You know, it's my hope that, that the movie is not obviously going to answer everything. Um, it is an exciting way to have them come and be able to maybe discover who the Son of God is. Um, but I think about the faithful giving and service. You know, it's work to put that together. You know, I'd ask you to put your hands together and give Pastor James a hand clap for all the hard work he's been doing behind the scenes. He is working his booty off, you know. So uh, I think his wife complained about it that he's, he doesn't have a booty anymore. So, you know, uh, Mike Call, Mike Call, uh, who's designed and done all the mailings, you know, he's been working very hard to do that as well. You know, could you give him a hand clap? And uh, Jesus Christ, who came and died on a cross, who is the Son of God, could you give him a hand clap? If you remember, we started the year off and we declared it a year of honor. And uh, this is the way we honor. And so what I would say is I thank you. I thank you for the friends that you may be inviting. I thank you for the, the effort that you're putting forth. And I thank you that the follow-up that will come after they've had an opportunity to see that movie, that you'll be there to hopefully help them discover who the Son of God is. Now remember, you can't reveal it to them. You can only be a, a point of witnessing it to them. It's God that will reveal to them who his son is. Amen? So uh, recognize that you are set in a local body as it pleases God and, and please God by using your gifts and talents to further the influence of the church. When I say that, it's not further the influence of Gateway Church. It's further the influence of the church. Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We see all the hurt and the plight and the lack in our society today and it doesn't look like what Jesus said, does it? But the reality is he left us to be his witnesses so he can perform his will in other people's lives. So it's not his, he's done his responsibility and will carry out his responsibility, but he's left us with one and that is to share it with the world. Number three, get in a small group. Get in a small group. Be in a, that smaller group. As a matter of fact, um, I want to uh, thank um, Jack and Izzy, who are sitting here at, at uh, the table with Angie, for coming today. And uh, why? Because that's really a, it's, it's a life group, you know, for me. I hang out with them and work out at the gym. And, and uh, you know, I interact with people in a small group where I'm spiritually fed. And, and we interact and, and lift weights together and cut up and laugh and and uh, you know what? It breathes life into me, and I appreciate the relationships I have with them. It's like, you know, where two or three gather in my name, there they are, he is, excuse me, there he is in, our, in their midst. And we talk about God a lot, too, in the, in the midst of our workouts, you know. We talk about life, and uh, it, it breathes life into me. I've told Jack that a number of times, you know, that it's, it's very encouraging to me. So I get to be a part of a life group, and I'm not the pastor of it, even though Jack, you know, they all call me Rev. Hey, Rev, you know, like, what's up, you know? 
I'm like, you guys got to stop doing that, man. When people find out I'm a pastor, they all come to me. It's like, hey, could you give me some counseling or something? I'm here to work out. If you want to come to church on Sunday, I'll help you out with that. You know what I'm saying? But uh, no, I, you know, I'm available for it, but uh, you know, it's been fun. And so you need to be in a small group. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Look, the day of the Lord is going to come. What do you want to be doing when he shows up? When the heavens roll back like a scroll, right? And Jesus comes back riding that white horse with fire in his eyes and a tongue like a sword. Now, whether that's literal or not, the point is, is... uh, you know, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, is it not? What do you want to be found doing on that day when Jesus comes back? See, ask yourself the question, who is the Son of God? If you say the Son of God, he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the one that came and died on a cross, but he also was the one that was resurrected from the dead, was received into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, which means place of power and authority. And is one day coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's one day coming back for his church. Question then that follows, if you believe that that is who he is, what do you want to be found doing by that person? I want to be found doing his will. Amen? So, start growing. Number four, start growing. Hebrews 6.1, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. So, it's not just about water baptism and that initial walk with the Lord. But it is about growing in our walk day by day and maturing in the things of God. Number five, find your purpose. Find your purpose. God has given all of us gifts. Find what your purpose is and use your gifts. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Bible teaches us that before You were formed in your mother's womb. God knew you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you and he ordained you, which means set you apart for a work. What is that work in your life? Find your purpose. Use your gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. Now, because he is the son of God and he's my savior, that's my revelation. I don't know what your revelation is, but if that's your revelation, because he is the son of God and I recognize him as my savior, I've chosen a few things. I've chosen to defer my will and follow his. I have free will. God gave me free will. I can do whatever I want to do. Paul the Apostle said, I can do all things. You know, not all things are expedient for me, but I can do all of them, you know. So what was he saying? Exercise modesty. Exercise, you know, self-control. Exercise, you know, a degree of of measurement in regard to the things that you do with your life so i've chosen to defer my will to his first corinthians 11 1 paul the apostle said this he said follow my example as i follow the example of christ first john 2 4 someone may say i'm a christian i'm on my way to heaven i belong to christ but if he doesn't do what christ tells him to he's a liar you know, I, I would put that in, in these terms as well that we see in First John. It says that um, if a man or if someone says that they love God and they hate their brother, they're what? 
a liar. And what's God saying there? Look, I want it to be easy for you to know that you're truly in love with me. I want you to take a moment. I want you to look around to the people to the right and left of you. See, this is the thing about it. God didn't make it complicated. You know, if you're, if, when your kids, let me give you an example. When your kids are coming up, I don't know if this happened to you, but, but our children came to a point, you know, they're babies, they, you know, they're toddlers, you know, then they're, you know, in that kindergarten stage. And there was a point when each one of them were like, where do babies come from? Do your kids ever do that? Where do babies come from? And you went into full-on explanation on a 20-year-old level, correct? With your 6-year-old. Like, well, let me tell you. Sit down right here. I'm going to explain this to you. Hmm? No, you didn't. <laughs> God doesn't do that to us either. He keeps it simple. Paul the Apostle spoke about, you know, being concerned lest uh, evil men would creep in. They would creep in unaware and they would corrupt the simplicity of the gospel. And we have to guard against that. The gospel's simple. Jesus loves you. He gave, gave his life for you. Do you believe that? Do you accept that in your heart? Do you believe it? Do you believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth? Because the Bible says if you do that, that you are saved. Well, it's not that simple. Yeah, actually, it is that simple. And that's why God said, look, if you say you love me and you hate your brother, you hate the person to the right and left of you, you hate your neighbor, you're a liar. In other words, you haven't got it yet. You, if you love me, you're going to get that I sent my son while you were yet still sinners to die on a cross. And my love is not merited by what you've done. My love is not earned by that which you've done. It is given to you as a free gift. Now the question is, can you take and be a witness of that revelation in your own heart to other people that I didn't earn this? It was given to me. And it's a free gift for you as well. That all you got to do is accept. Can you say amen, Sam? Number two, uh, I've chosen to demonstrate my changed life. 1 Peter 3.21, in baptism we show that we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. Not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, but because in being baptized we are turning to God and asking him to cleanse our hearts of sin. The, the, the water itself is not washing my sins away. It's the act of obedience to the command of Christ that manifests his love and forgiveness in my life. And it, as far as the east is from the west, so have your transgressions been cast or thrown away from you. Now, I want to know, how far is the east from the west? Because my, you know, the thing is, is my left hand, right, is pointing to the east. And my right hand right now is pointing to the west. How far is the east from the west? Well, when the east comes around and meets the west, what does it do? Kind of keeps on going, doesn't it? You ever driven east? You could keep driving east, couldn't you? You could go all the way around the globe and be going east. And you know what? You could go all the way around the globe and be going west, and it never stops. So how far is the east from the west? Well, if you ever get there, you let me know. <laughs> the reality is, is you know what? Your transgressions can't catch back up to you when you've knelt at the altar of the cross and given your heart to Jesus. Because the Bible says that God takes your sins and he also casts them in the sea of forgetfulness. He, he casts them 
in the sea of forgetfulness. In other words, I don't remember your sins. You can be going, God, I, I, you know, I messed up. You, know, you ask his forgiveness, he forgives you, and you're like, yeah, that time when I did that, Lord, I'm so sorry again. He's going, that time you did what? Now, it's not like he doesn't know. God makes his choice too. See, I have chosen, but so has God chosen to forget your sins. And when he says he's chosen to forget them, he doesn't recall them on account for you because he's put them on his son. His son took them upon himself. No one put Jesus on the cross. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. See, that aspect of will in his life, he asserted his free will. And he asserted his free will to fulfill his father's will. And in doing so, made it possible for all of us to come into the same kind of freedom. That even though we can pick our lives up and we can live it on our behalf, that he who picks his life up, he loses it. To the one who lays it down, he gains it. Jesus laid his life down and he actually gained life all the more. And he didn't just gain life for himself, he gained life for all of us. When we choose to lay our life down that way, to live for Christ, guess what? We're actually picking life up, not just for ourselves, but as a witness to others so that they might know too and come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So I've demonstrated, I've chosen to demonstrate my changed life. Number three, I've chosen to declare my commitment publicly. It's not a secret. I don't go around beating people over the head with the Bible when I meet them. That's not, you know, I don't believe that that's attractive at all. But you know what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they're talking to me, I, I, don't, I don't live another way. You know, I am not saying I'm perfect. I, you know, my wife reminds me often that I'm not perfect. She sees me the closest, so she's able to do that. Others remind me of that, that I'm not perfect. But I know this, this one thing I'm doing, I'm pressing toward the mark of the high call of Jesus Christ in my life, and I'm not willing to turn back from that. And here's what I know. He who's begun a good work in me, he's promised to perform that work in me until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, till he returns again. And I accept that freely from him. And you know what? I'm pretty thankful for it too. Amen? Here's what uh, Matthew 10, 32 through 33 says. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him... I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That's pretty simple, right? We're back to that simple gospel. If, you're, uh, if you love him enough to talk about him to others, guess what? You're faithful to do that. He's faithful to talk about you before the Father. If you're ashamed of him and you won't talk about him to others, he's kind of mums the word in heaven concerning you. I didn't say it. Don't look at me like that. You're all like, that's a mean thing to say. I did not say it. Jesus is saying that. And I, I would say that the one who died for us and showed so much love, if he says something like that, it's probably a good idea to accept it. Amen? Look, I want to close with this quote. This is uh, the great historian Kenneth Scott uh, Latourette said, um, listen, Jesus has had more effect on the history of mankind than any other in his race who ever existed that's not if you will a preacher saying that to explain jesus christ is impossible to ignore jesus christ is disastrous to reject him is fatal understand who jesus christ is to know him 
is to love him. To love him is to trust him. To trust him is to be radically and dramatically and internally changed, to be transformed. I'm talking about who is Jesus. Human speech is too limited to describe him. The human mind too small to comprehend him. And the human heart can never really completely, totally absorb who Jesus Christ is. I say only by faith can we uh, believe and only by faith will we be witnesses to others. See, when I come to that revelation of who he is, it's been by faith. And it's in that same faith that I know when I share with others who he is, they too can come to him by faith. Amen? So, who is the Son of God to you? These are the two questions today. Write these down. You've already got the one. Who is the Son of God to you? And will you be a witness of who he is to others? I ask you if you would just to stand to your feet. Our children are going to come in a moment, and, and uh, they've got a little skit that they're going to do, and, and uh, we're going to honor, but uh, I just want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that this day is a day to celebrate your son, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that it's a day to fellowship with each other. But right now, Lord, I'm most concerned with, Father, where we are at uh, in our revelation of who you are. So, Lord, I pray that there would be an increase. Lord, whether we've given our life to you or not, that, Lord, there have been an increase in all of us, Lord, in our revelation of who you are. And, Lord, as we've come to know you, I pray that we'd be a witness of what we know, Lord, about you, who we know you to be in our lives, that, Father, we would not be ashamed to be witnesses of that. I pray, God, as we, we move towards uh, this Son of God movie at the end of the month, I pray, Lord, that it's not... Um, some desperate effort to proselyte or to try and make converts. But Lord, I pray that it would be a meaningful time of fellowship around who your son is. A time of revelation of who your son is. And that God, the outflow of that would be that all of us learn more about you and how to follow you and how to yield to you. Because Lord, you didn't call us to make converts. You called us to make disciples. And you said to teach them to obey all you've commanded to do. And I thank you, Lord, that you made it simple. You simplified it so that it wouldn't be complicated for us. Your commands, Lord, and all the law and prophets hinge on those two commands, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves. So, Lord, I pray as a church that if there was anything on the forefront in our lives concerning our witness of who you are, it would be love and that God it wouldn't be something that we're ashamed to do. That we'd share the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. I ask your blessings on every person here. Most of all, Lord, uh, today, I ask your blessings on those that have volunteered faithfully to serve our children. And that, Lord, uh, to train them up in the way they should go, that when they grow, they won't depart from you. Father, uh, as they come today, I pray that we'd celebrate our children, we would celebrate the ministry that Gateway Church offers to the children here and in the community. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen.